This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good near of Shabbos. Mashi Lipsker here on 101.9 High FM. Delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas in the three weeks of mourning for the Holy Temple to draw strength from the teachings of the Parsha, from the teachings of the Torah, to get a bit of a perspective on this time, but more than that, an empowerment. Whenever we are faced with a challenge, personally or nationally, action is required. And if we are in the three weeks of mourning for the Holy Temple, 2,000 years later, it says something to us. A person must always take recognition, take cognizance of the space they're in, the people who are around them, and the time that they're in. Oilam shono nefesh, the three things that continuously change. And understanding that it is by divine providence that I live in these times. To ask myself, in addition to the challenges that these times present, what are the gifts that this time or these times bring? And living as we do in an age of technology, in an age of connection, in an age of information, we want to draw on all of those gifts and look closely at our personal and national situations and ask ourselves how do we use the gifts of the time in order to address the challenges of the time. But the Parsha and the season always talk to us. We're told that the temple was destroyed because of a lack of Ahavat Yisrael. There was something called Sinaschinam, unwarranted hate. Unwarranted not liking someone else, not accepting others, but unwarranted. Because if we dig a little bit beneath the surface, we are all connected. And that connection is much stronger than the things that divide us. In fact, it brings to mind something from last week's parsha, where the prophet Bilam with his many, many curses that became blessings, said, Mi mono afar Yaakov. Bilam said, Who can count the dust of Jacob? And the Rebbe explains that the Jewish people there are being compared to dust, but positively. Why? Because the earth hides so many buried treasures so many minerals, so many gems, so much gold, so much potential for growth. We don't know the treasures, the unlimited treasures that are buried in the earth. And just as there are hidden treasures buried in the earth, so said Bilam, or Bilam highlighted the fact that there are treasures of pure faith in God Almighty and deep love for him and awe 
of him hidden inside each and every Jew. These treasures may at some times be totally hidden and hard to reveal. Very often the treasures that are in the earth are deep in the earth, buried far down. But nevertheless, they are there. And when you know that a treasure is there, you are inspired to take the time, the energy to kind of dig until you find the treasure. So with enough effort, the treasures can be revealed. As long as you know that they are there, we all need to know that each one of us possesses all the strength we need to face every single challenge. But we need Torah's guidance to actually meet the challenge in Hashem's own way. So if the temple was destroyed because of unwarranted negativity, sinas chinam, hating someone for nothing, building a case against someone why? When joined together, we are one, and if we unite, we can win, we can strengthen each other. We become stronger, they become stronger. Together, we are a force. But of course, there's always going to be the Yetzer Hara, the Sotan, whose job it is to confuse the issues. This is a season, explains the Rebbe, where with unconditional love, we will balance out, we will cancel out the unconditional hate. To do things beyond the call of duty for someone else, to go beyond what is expected, to put ourselves on the side, and to actually be concerned with what God wants. And so we want to talk about this Ahavas Yisroel, get it into perspective, this Ahavas Chinam, like just doing nice things because, showing care for someone else, not because you're going to get anything out of it, of course you will, but not because there's any monetary return, any feelings of power or feelings of pride, feelings of being connected to something important. You know, when you do something for someone and they say, oh, you're the best. You are such a doll. You just, there's nobody like you. Well, you're inspired to do more. But what happens when you're doing the right thing and you don't get that feedback, but you know you're doing the right thing? When the screen is empty, blank, dark, there's nothing on it saying, go you, well done, wow, you're really amazing. When that feedback isn't there and we know that Hashem has put us in a situation, in a time, in a place, and he has created the challenge and he is there. Not always easy to remember, but when we do the right thing despite, no matter what we get back for it right now, 
That is true ahavat chinam. I'm not doing it because I'm going to get something out of it. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do, because Hashem is watching. And Hashem has set me up in this situation, and this is what he wants me to do. So last week, we had an incredible Parsha. Although the Parsha this week is named Pinchas, last week, we had that dramatic story where Bilaam had advised King Bullock to entice the Jewish people into sin. And what Bullock did was he had the Midianite and Moabite women seduce the Jewish men and then entice them into idol worship. And what happened was a fatal epidemic broke out amongst the Jewish people. Hashem immediately reacted. And Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader, did bring the offenders to trial. But Zimri, the prince of the tribe of Shimon, challenged Moshe. And how did he challenge him? He publicly took the Midianite princess Cosby and was busy with her in public. Everybody saw. So he's challenging Moshe. And what happened there at the end of last week's parsha, as you remember, Aaron's grandson Pinchas, an unknown person, remembered that he had learned that such offenders may be executed without trial. And he stepped forward and he killed Zimri and Cosby. He killed the prince of the tribe of Shimon, as well as this Midianite princess. Pinchas then prayed to Hashem, and the epidemic that had broken out amongst the people suddenly stopped. But since Pinchas had been born before Aharon and his sons were made Kohanim, priests, he wasn't eligible to be a Kohen. He wasn't eligible for the priesthood. But this week, as a reward for his caring, for his zealousness, Hashem installs Pinchas into the priesthood. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you this morning on Chai FM. And we're talking about Pinchas. That in last week's Parsha, Pinchas responds, a quiet man, an unknown man, steps up and does something incredibly courageous. It was a dangerous thing to do. He could have been killed on the spot. But his concern was for his people and for the honor of Hashem. And Hashem's swift response by halting the epidemic showed that Pinchas was right. The parasha this week opens up with Hashem praising Pinchas and rewarding Pinchas telling him that he would be a Kohen and his the gratitude that Hashem had to him would be a, would be going on, would be ongoing he gave him something called briti shalom my covenant of peace i'm indebted to you he said i will 
graciously give you a gift as a reward. And you and your children after you will be kohanim. You will have that incredible gift of love because kohanim come from Aharon, who was all about loving others. Because you were jealous for God, because you cared, it bothered you, you rose up for the pride of Israel, you rose up for the honor of Hashem, therefore you will be rewarded forever. And an amazing, amazing parasha to be reading during the three weeks, love of the other. We are all Kohanim. We are a nation of priests. We are Mamlechet Kohanim. We are Goy Kadosh. We are a holy nation. We need to understand the responsibility and the gift that we all carry. And sometimes in public, we have to stand up for the honor of someone else. We have to stand up for God's honor. But sometimes it's a very private situation. You know, in the Parsha this week, we will encounter the five daughters of Tzlovchod, unique, unique women. Who were these women? They were five wise, mature, very special, connected women. They represent the wisdom and doing the right thing within each one of us. They represent the love of the Holy Land of Israel in each one of us. But they were real people. And when Hashem was going to give the Land of Israel, divided up according to Goral, according to um, drawing lots to the men, these women decided it was time to step forward and to say that their father had not had any sons and they desired to have a portion in the land. They said our father died in the desert and he died because of his own action. He did not participate in the rebellion that took place at that time where Korach rose up against Moshe. But he said, "Why?" they said, why should our father's name be lost, be missing from his family because he has no sons? And then they said those classical words, Give us a portion amongst our father's brothers. And Hashem spoke... To Moshe. Moshe went to Hashem right away, and Hashem spoke to Moshe and said, Yes, they speak correctly. Give them a portion amongst their father's brothers. If a man does not have a son, his daughters can inherit him. And these five women are listed in this week's Parsha and later on by name. They were important enough. They were great enough for us to remember their names. Nevertheless, they were modest women. 
They were women who did things, choosing their words at the right time in the right place. They represent women who are connected, but women who are unique in their divine service, quietly. They didn't stand up and shout. They approached Moshe. They did it at the right time. They were modest. But then there's something called false modesty. Hashem gave Pinchas the eternal covenant of priesthood. Now, Pinchas was much, much younger than Moshe. And Moshe was there at the time when all of this was going on with Cosby and Zimri, with the people dying, with the people misbehaving, etc. And Pinchas could have thought, well, Moshe's there, who am I to act in his presence? But when it became clear to Pinchas that Moshe had forgotten what needed to be done, he stood up, despite his youth and despite Moshe's presence, Moshe's greatness, Moshe's glorious leadership, in the presence of Moshe, he did what needed to be done. And the Rebbe teaches us that we shouldn't be intimidated when we see people of greater stature not doing the right thing or not righting some sort of wrong that has to be addressed. It could be, as it was with the story of Pinchas here, that Hashem is keeping the leader quiet. He caused him to forget in order that a seemingly less qualified person seize the moment and answer destiny's call to greatness. Whenever Hashgacha Protis, divine providence, Hashem himself, presents us with an opportunity to right some sort of wrong in the world, with total self-sacrifice, we must do it, like Pinchas with Mesira Snefesh. Pinchas could have been killed. Pinchas actually put his life on the line. The tribe of Shimon could have easily taken him out at that point. But Pinchas saw that there was something wrong that needed to be responded to, and nothing was as important as righting that wrong. And we too need to understand, it's not about, oh, not me, and and behaving in a modest way at the wrong time. But the daughters of Tzlovchad, they behaved modestly. They approached Moshe. They spoke properly. They stood before Moshe, before Elazar the Kohen, before of all of the princes of all the tribes, but they did it at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and they chose their words, and they spoke at the right moment. This combination of courage and modesty is within each one of us. Each one of us needs to understand that we have a time to step out, to rise up, and a time to do things in a quiet way, as it were, behind the scenes. Women do so much. 
women are always busy. Women have so many responsibilities, but our divine service is very often behind the scenes. But the women represent the nation. As the prophet says, you must walk modestly with God your God. Yes, the inner modesty, but to stand up and do the right thing. Throughout the generations, the Jewish people have been devoted to an unseen God. In our homes, who will know if we ate kosher or not? In our homes, behind closed doors, who will know if we behaved in a way that befits the daughter of a king? The way we dress, the way we speak, the way we act. But Hashem knows. And within us, we nurture that connection to Hashem, that awareness from the moment that we wake up in the morning. We nurture what we are all about. Because our relationship with Hashem is not about what the world sees. It's really about us and Hashem. I want to share an amazing story with you. When I heard the story, when I read the story, it touched me very, very deeply. Last week, we heard what Pinchas did. He stood up. He killed. It was in public. He responded to the call of the hour. Let me tell you a story that really happened. There was this advanced yeshiva. It was in the town of Crimea, and there was this wonderful institute for advanced Talmudic studies for Jewish men. And one wealthy individual carried the entire financial burden. And he was also the dean of that yeshiva. But only the elite would be accepted, people with extraordinary talent, people who really had great minds and great personalities, only they were lucky enough to come to that yeshiva, to attend that base medrash, and there they delved into deep learning, esoteric texts for hours on end. There was a newly married young man, and he felt a strong desire to join that seminary. He, too, yearned to fill his soul with the sweetness of Torah, he wanted to study the Torah so much. His name was Rabbi Chizkia Medini. When some of the people in that seminary heard that Rabbi Chizkia wanted to join the seminary, they said, no, not a good idea. You know, he's a good man, but he's very simple. You know, he doesn't have any of those special talents or capabilities. He might not know we are busy morning and noon through the night. You know, he may not be capable of keeping up with us in terms of our schedule. And, you know, also, he may ask questions that will slow us down and hamper our own growth. But the young man was really keen. So what he did was he went straight to the dean. He went to the dean's home and the two were talking and this donor, this dean, was quite impressed with Rabbi Chizkia. 
And so, and he really wanted him to join. So he tried to persuade the other scholars that even though Rabbi Chizkiah wasn't uh, tremendously gifted or whatever, but, you know, why not allow him to come in? He has a lovely personality, and he really wants to learn Torah. So he will be an asset with his enthusiasm in the study hall. Well, the others weren't very happy at all, but Rabbi Chizkia was accepted. The dean's words were important, and he was also the main donor. And although the others weren't keen, he began to attend the yeshiva, and he really, really loved it. He studied the Talmud. His days were really filled with joy. However, unbeknown to him, one of the scholars there just couldn't swallow it. And he was jealous somehow. He just it wasn't working. He wasn't happy. One day, when this donor left town, he went out for a few weeks out of town on business. The scholar, who for weeks now had just been nursing this envy, jumped at the opportunity. He quietly went over to the cleaning lady. It was a Gentile cleaning lady who, who worked in that yeshiva. He bribed her with quite a bit of money that she spread a story about Chizkiah. A bad story, a slanderous story. And this woman now went around town telling everyone the lowly offense the young rabbi had committed with her. Well, you can imagine the town was in an uproar. The Chilol Hashem, the desecration of God's name, terrible. Everybody was talking about him, insulting him, pointing fingers at him, shaming him, until eventually he couldn't bear it anymore. And in great humiliation, he actually ran away from that town. Anyway, when the dean came back, he didn't believe a word of it. But he was the only one saying that. And nobody seemed to pay any attention to him. He was very deeply pained. And what he did was he fired the maid and he asked her not to come back. Well, time passed. And as with all things, people talk about something else. Life returns to normal, but also the cleaning lady's stash of cash ran dry. She's unemployed. She has no way to feed her family. And now she begins to feel a change of heart. She thinks, what have I done? I had a good job. Everything was going well. And what have I done? What was I thinking? I played a big part in spreading lies. And shameful that I should have done that. She found Rabbi Chizkia and she begged his forgiveness. She confessed her role in making up that whole story, that terrible story. And she begged with him, go to the head of the seminary so I can have my job back. And if you do that, I will announce the truth in public. And I will admit that I've been bribed. Please. Well, what a dilemma. Everybody else's life was continuing normally. Everybody was back to normal, peacefully. 
but Rabbi Chizkia. For him, his life had never been the same, but this was an earth-shaking moment. He was at a crossroads. On the one side, he had this incredible opportunity to clear his name, everything he'd hoped for, those terrible, sordid actions that had been attributed to him. Well, is this his chance to actually throw off the burden of, of shame and humiliation? But if the true story would come to light, it would expose the disgraceful behavior of this other Torah scholar, that a person is prepared to stoop so low to spread lies. I mean, the desecration of God's name, the Chilul Hashem against that man would be terrible, and his own pain and difficulty would be unbelievable. Picture the inner struggle raging within Rabbi Chizkia. How much strength of character does one require to overcome the desire to free oneself from the burden of shame? We can't even grasp it. How much self-control is needed? Rabbi Chizkia turned to the maid. He said, I forgive you. I assure you I will go to your boss and ask that he give you back your job. But then he forbade her to disclose the true story of what had motivated her. He forbade her and he asked her to promise never to discuss the details of the bribery. Rabbi Chizkiah later told that at that moment, when I accepted this difficult decision, I felt that a wellspring of knowledge opened up within me and I became a new person. I suddenly was able to grasp the meaning, the depth of Torah on a totally different level. And some time later, not so long afterwards, Rabbi Chizkiah Medini wrote the brilliant Stechemed, many volumes on Jewish law. And that became so famous. He became known as an incredible genius, a giant in Torah. Anyone to this day who glimpses the famous Stechemed is immediately astounded by the depths and the breaths of this incredible encyclopedic masterpiece. Only a finely honed mind of unusual caliber could write something like this. Rabbi Chizkiah Medini said, I wasn't blessed with special talents. I wasn't blessed with special capabilities. And when I was young, I didn't excel. Only after I withstood a tremendous challenge did I feel this unbelievable ability or all these abilities come into me as though the gates of knowledge had just opened for me. And instead of the shame he thought would mark the rest of his life, this legendary name, this, this greatness, the Stechemed, announces who he was. And wherever his book is studied, one understands his holiness, his depth, and his greatness. But how did it happen? It happened. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 High FM. 
And we are Erev Shabbos Pinchas, Parshas Pinchas, and we're comparing the two types of challenges that Hashem gives us. Some are in private, some are in public. Pinchas, in public, had to rise to an occasion, difficult situation, and Rabbi Chizkiah Medini, totally between him and Hashem, totally nobody would ever know, but ultimately, the reward was clear. The reward of Pinchas to have eternal kehuna. The reward of Rabbi Chizkia Medini, that what he yearned for the most, to study the Torah, suddenly he entered into a different level of understanding the fountains of Torah, the gateways of Torah. Torah was open to him. And not so long after he encountered that difficult decision to go public or not to shame that scholar who had hurt him so deeply. Hashem rewarded him, and he was able to write the many volumes of the Stei Chemed. Hashem is constantly with us. He is constantly, constantly setting us up. We must never forget that even the harsh words someone says to us, the humiliation, the degradation, Something that seems to be our own doing isn't our own doing. Something that seems to be beyond our control, it's all from Hashem to see how will we choose to behave. And one doesn't know if by meeting the challenge at that moment, how much greatness will be heaped upon us and our children and their children after them. We don't do it for the reward. We do it because we are part of Hashem's great plan. And what a privilege, what a gift. The United Sisterhood will be holding their annual book sale this Sunday, 16th July. The book sale will be held at the Bet Emanuel Synagogue, 38 Oxford Road, corner 3rd Avenue, Parktown. Time 9.30 to 12.30. Wow! Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood has amazing specials. From the 13th until the 23rd of July. Kedem Grape Juice. Concord. 946 milliliters was seventy nine ninety nine, Now only 50 rand each. Wow. Rashi Light Concord. Red Wine. 750 milliliters was 92 rand. Now only 60 rand each. Wow. Schneider's Nuska, 50% chocolate, 200 grams, was 38.50, now only 25 rand each. Shevington Kosher Assorted Cheese, 200 gram, was 65 rand, now only 44.99 each, wow. And Assorted Benny's Pizza was 33.99, now only 26.99 each. Fries are also on promotion. Reduce prices on selected fry products like traditional sausage, 500 grams, was 41.99, now just 29.99 each. Wow. Visit Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood for these and much more in-store specials. Amashi Lipsker. Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, first Shabbos of the three weeks. And our mandate really is Ahavat Yisrael, Ahavat Chinam.
really and truly, to show love for Hashem, we must show love to another person. The Hasidim once asked the Alter Rebbe, which kind of divine service is superior? We want to get close to Hashem. Cultivating a love for Hashem or cultivating a love for one's fellow Jew? And the Alter Rebbe answered, Loving God and loving one's fellow are both equally engraved in the soul. They are equally part of us. Nevertheless, it is explicitly written in the Torah, in the prophets, Ohafti Eschem Omar Hashem. I have loved you, declares God. From this we can understand, we can conclude that to love one's fellow is superior because it involves loving what the beloved one loves. There was a Fabrengen of Hasidim at the time of the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe's son, the Mittler Rebbe, was there. And during the Fabrengen, one of the Hasidim raised his glass and said, May Hashem enable me to attain a genuine love for him, for God. The Fabrengen, the gathering continued, and shortly afterwards, the Mittler Rebbe raised his glass and said, May Hashem enable me to attain a genuine love for my fellow. And the debate amongst the Chassidim lasted for several weeks. Which one is greater? Which service is more elevated? To love God or to love your fellow? Ultimately, they were able to ask the Alter Rebbe himself, the Rebbe, the question. And which answer did he give? He said, Loving God and loving one's fellow are both equally engraved in the soul of every Jew. Nevertheless, it is explicitly stated in the prophet Malachi, Ohavti Eschem Omar Hashem, I have loved you, declares God. And the Rebbe said, from this we can conclude that the love of one's fellow is superior because it involves loving the thing that the beloved loves. During this time, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that God loves? And how do we bring that to God's beloved? Hashem loves us. And Hashem wants the best for us. Like a parent who is totally devoted, he wants his child to have the best food, the best clothing, the best opportunities, to be protected from negativity, to be warm in the cold, to be cooled in the heat, education, social relationships, all the opportunities, all the joys in life. Physically, we know that when a body has all of the vitamins that it needs, the sunshine, enough sleep, enough exercise, it glows. Everything works. The body's in great shape. Similarly, the soul 
needs also exercise, vitamins, the right exposure, the right amount of sunshine, as it were. And these are the various mitzvahs. And especially at this time when unconditional love is called for, let us remember that our fellow Jew is made up of a body, a soul, a heart, and a mind. And we so need to know that just as for ourselves, we want to have the right vitamins, the right amount of mental stimulation, of emotional security, the right food for our bodies and exercise, etc., the neshama requires all of that as well. And mitzvahs are superfood. The superfood of mitzvahs should be offered to everyone. Every Jew has his mitzvahs. Non-Jews have their mitzvahs. And it is up to us to show love for Hashem and his nation and Hashem and his world by educating others and bringing them the light of Torah and the light of mitzvahs. We know that um, the same idea, the Alter Rebbe said that whoever loves another is actually loving Hashem. And he was quoting his teacher, the Magid, who said it in the name of the Baal Shem Tov. There is a mitzvah in the Torah, and you shall love your fellow as yourself. Loving your fellow man as yourself, said the Baal Shem Tov, repeated the Magid of Mezrich, repeated the Alter Rebbe, is a commentary on the commandment to love God your God. When you love another, you love God. Because within people, there is a part of God. So when you love someone else, when you love his essence, you're actually loving God. To see the other as someone precious to Hashem, whom he has created, whom he loves, this is to open one's eyes and to see things through the eyes of Torah. The story of Rabbi Chizkiah Medini. He didn't just see what the other person had done to him. He saw the other person. So often we get in the way of seeing the other person. We just see how that impacts or reflects off of us. We see our children. Am I a good mother? Is that child a credit to me? We see our spouses. We want to see someone who brings us the nachas, the pride in the things that we stand for? Are they a fitting partner to us? Do they make us feel good? Do they make us feel whole? Rabbi Chizkiah Medini showed us it's not about what someone does to you or does for you, positive or negative. It really is about seeing Hashem in the picture and doing the right thing. During these days of the three weeks, it is so incredibly important for each one of us to rededicate ourselves to loving our fellow as ourselves, to doing the right thing, to sharing a mitzvah, to sharing a word of Torah, to nurturing the other. 
The following tradition was handed down from Rebbe to Rebbe. There was a time when there was a well-known dispute, and that was a dispute between Jews, between Chsidim and Misnagdim. And the Alter Rebbe's Chsidim came to him and told him they suffered greatly from the simple people amongst the non-Chassidim. And the Alter Rebbe's reply was as follows. Zayde, who was der Zayde? Der Zayde was the Baal Shem Tov, because the Alter Rebbe would refer to the Baal Shem Tov as grandfather. He said, grandfather had a great love for simple Jews. He said, in the first days of my stay in Mezrich, the Rebbe, the Maggid of Mezrich, declared, the Rebbe, he said, the Baal Shem Tov used to say that to love a fellow Jew is to love God. As it is written, Boni matem lehashem you are children unto the Lord your God. One who loves the Father loves his children. There are two ways of looking at a simple person. One would be to focus on his coarseness. In other words, he's not so refined like me. He's not so intelligent, he's not so rich, he's not so refined or spiritually developed. But the other way is to focus on the inner godly spark of that person's neshama and the fact that his ego doesn't block his spirituality, as may be the case when we have a lot of sophisticated learning when we're a great scholar. Let's look at the simplicity of a situation when somebody is not so refined, it may open the doors for him to be more connected to Hashem in a very simple way. Let us remember that our challenges are being put there by Hashem and our response should be one of love. And when we respond that way, without a doubt, Hashem will respond that way to us as well. And please God soon, May it be now. These days will be transformed from days of mourning and sadness to days of joy and rejoicing. A guten Shabbos, a guten Tomid.